Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer and episode 27 of the Speaking Club podcast. Vulnerability is all about sharing your flaws. Superheroes have flaws, tragic heroes have fatal flaws, and Trump Towers has many flaws. I think you'll find that joke works on many levels. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So, if you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hello! Well, continuing the theme of building resilience in this week's show, I'm talking to a lady called Harriet Whaley-Cohen. Now, she has beaten many demons to emerge as a successful speaker, coach and entrepreneur. And there's some smashing takeaways in this show that will help you develop your speaking skills and build your confidence. You'll find out how to be vulnerable and powerful at the same time, why you should take risks as a speaker and how to connect to your audience in a way that leaves them wanting more. Off we go with Harriet Whaley Cohen. Enjoy. She's a sought-after speaker, coach, and like me, a mother to a cute, hairy dog, as well as children. Welcome to the show, Harriet Whaley-Cohen. Let's get straight into it. How did you become a speaker? Hi, Sarah. It's lovely to be on the show. Thanks for inviting me. So how did I become a speaker? Um, It's interesting because in my previous career, I used to do a lot of public speaking, and I really enjoyed it but it had never occurred to me that I would become a speaker in, in my own right. Um, and when I retrained following my divorce, actually, um, that I realized that in order to make a really good go of being a coach, I would need to get good at speaking again and get really comfortable um, speaking on stage. And then I, I adore coaching, but I really fell in love with the speaking. Um, whereas before in my previous career in banking, it had been something that, you know, was just part of part of life rather than something in its own right. Yeah, I mean, you've been I mean, you talked about banking. You've, you've been on quite a journey in your life. But um, why did you fall in love with speaking? What is it about speaking that you, know, you love so much? What I really love is when I put something forward, put an idea forward, tell a story and I can see the cogs turning for my audience. I can see that they're having aha moments, that the dots are joining up for them, that they're realizing things and that they're leaving the room and their life is different. Their outlook's different. They've got different tools, but they've, they've, had, they've had some kind of awakening, some kind of realization and their life will never be the same again and in a good way. And that is really magical. And I think it's that that I really fell in love with. It's, it's not the sort of uh, experience you get in banking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you leave banking? What was, what, what was that journey you went on to, to make that transition from, you know, corporate world to coaching and speaking? Well, um, I, I was running, when I, in my previous career, I, I was running a communications department and it was, it, it could be at times um, long hours and a lot of pressure and a lot of deadlines and it just wasn't compatible with me being the kind of mother that I wanted to be. 
basically. Um, I didn't want to work um, every day. I didn't want to sometimes not see my children at all because I would have had to have got up before they were awake, got home after they were in bed. It just, that wasn't really why I had children. And, and it became very clear um, in my own mind after I'd had my first son that it just, the, the, the two just were never going to match up because I knew what the realities of my job were. Um, and so I, um, I ducked out basically. It's, I mean, it's a shame that a lot of women, particularly in jobs that are, I guess, high powered, yours was high powered, feel that there, there is that choice to make, but it, you know, you've got to make a life that works for you and what's important to you. And then, so having made that transition, um, how did you start getting speaking gigs? I mean, you, did you start coaching first or did the speaking come first and the coaching? How did that all work? Um, I was about, um, I was about halfway through my coaching training, um, when it was dawning on me that I would need to give workshops. I'd need to get good at, at speaking in order to reach people and just to find clients. And I um, started doing some speaker training. I'd, I'd actually lost quite a lot of my confidence. The idea by that point completely and utterly terrified me. So I thought I need, I'd better get myself back in the training room. And it was when I was in the training room that I started to see that speaking could be something beyond something that you could just tolerate and just about get through to, you know, get your message across and get clients to something that I could really love really enjoy and really change lives with um and then from that um how did I start getting speaking gigs um I think my number one tip at the beginning that worked like magic for me was that I asked I would ask people I would approach event organizers um approach people and just say can you know can I can I be on your stage please and sometimes they said yes. And then I'd make sure that I did a really good job. And then I'd get invited back or there would be other people in the audience who ran their own events or who wanted to recommend me. And that initially, um, that was um, three, four years ago now, that, that's how it all started. And I, so I guess I launched my speaking and coaching at exactly the same time. And at the beginning, I would say I was very much a coach who did some speaking on the side. And now I feel that uh, it's about 50-50. You know, there's a couple of key things that you said there that is, they, they are really, that was a fantastic tip for new speakers. So sometimes, you know, you get speakers who maybe have written a book or have been an expert and it, they've got that sort of field of dream things. Well, I've, I've written it, so people are going to come to me and they, they don't, unfortunately. So you've got to, to ask. And then the second thing you said there, which is another really important tip is making it so good that they want you to come back and you know that's you know one of the questions I had was how you know there's a lot of speakers out there you know possibly a lot of speakers in your niche how do you make yourself stand out I think I stand out and I always have stood out because I share um in a in an appropriate way obviously um a lot of who I am and my own journey um and I think some people say the coaching world is a very crowded space and the speaking world is a very crowded space. But what we all have that's really unique about us is the journey we've been on, but also our interpretation, what we've learned from it and how we're bringing that forward with what we're offering. Um, and when I've been able to do that, people have said, actually, she's real. She's relatable. You know, she's not some coach who's just had this amazing life and I can show you how to have an amazing life. Um, it's, it's so much more real than that and authentic and 
being authentic, showing who I am and vulnerability really as a tool for connecting. Um, it, it, I think it's made me stand out. Well, that's the feedback I get that when, when I ask like, what made that so great? And that's the feedback I get for, I've got from the organizers. So. Yeah, that's true. I've, <clears throat> excuse me. I've seen that feedback on your, on your testimonials, you know, the authenticity stands out. So let's talk about the subject then. So did, it sounds like your life and your experiences sort of created the topic that you speak about, but you know, what do you speak about and, and did it find you or did you find it? Oh, did it find me or did I find it? I think, it, I think we met in the middle and shook hands. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a, yes, we, we met in the middle and went, oh, this is a great idea. Um, I speak about different aspects of building confidence and self-esteem. Um, and I also speak about emotional well-being. Um, yeah, those are the things that I talk about. And I think having gone through different journeys with all of those things myself and different ups and downs, I'm able to really share pitfalls, learnings. And, and, and you know, when, when sharing about something like emotional well-being, if I can, having had, I mean, not for a very long time, but having had at certain points a lot of panic attacks, for example, it's very hard for, to, to connect with someone who's having severe anxiety problems if you've never had it yourself. But when you can say, yes, I know what it's like when you feel like suddenly you're floating on the ceiling and you can't feel your body and you think you can't breathe, and it, it, then you can connect with them. And they believe you when you say, so this is what you can do to make it better. This is how you can make it different. That's a really key point. So you're actually speaking in language that they understand and can relate to, and probably language they'd use themselves about the things that, that they're dealing with. That's, yes. that's a really good, good point. Okay, cool. So, so the, the journey of your life kind of, you know, was, was something that you spoke about and, and other skills and stuff that you, and trade, because I know you, you've co- you're a nutrition coach. Is that right? A health coach? Yeah, I've done a year's health and wellbeing coach training Mm -hmm. with IIN New York and also I've also done a women's leadership coaching training with one of many so a lot of different tools and ideas and theories and things to match with life experience to create ways of doing things so brilliant so your your talk topic and your experience in life kind of pushed you into a niche or you know your sort of resilience self-esteem well-being niche and then when you were approaching those people in the first instance to get gigs were you targeting that niche or were you just sort of speaking anywhere to get to to get speaking gigs how did that actually work in practice in terms of those approaches well I I was actually that person who's when um when I approached people um I kind of said I'll pretty much speak about anything (laughs) and I'll speak anywhere I had no boundaries and and it took me a while actually probably six to nine months of after launching my business of noticing what all my clients had in common and the things that I seem to be good at pulling you know pulling it all together and going ah okay this is my niche at the beginning I was like yeah I'll coach anyone men women doesn't matter what your problem (laughs) is you know and and I think it's it's it is kind of funny but I think a lot of people do start out like that and and luckily I did get some clients and I did develop a niche and it's um, become extended expanded elevated you know since then 
That's brilliant. Actually, do you know, there's two types of people, I think. You, there's there's t- people like you, and then there's people who wait till everything's perfect and everything's, all the boxes are ticked. You know, they often say you need to sort of build the plane while it's flying. And it's yes. like, yes, that's what you did. <laughs> you know, and it works. I think sometimes if you wait till you've got your niche, you've got it all, you know, that means you don't ever do anything. Is, is, that, is that something you've seen in yourself? I think if I'd waited till I had a niche, I think that's absolutely 100% true. Um, I'm on my third website now. And if I looked at my first website, I'd probably think that has nothing to do with me right now. But that's okay. It was a really good representation of who I was and what I thought I was bringing and how I thought I could help people help people at that time. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think if you bring the best of what you think you can offer, and genuinely put that forward it'll connect with someone you know brilliant so so we've got a really uh, sort of meaningful authentic topic um and you started speaking how how has your journey been as a speaker because i expect you've grown in terms of what the, the message and the content that you deliver and also the performance the delivery itself how, have you you know how would you describe that journey and, and what did you do to to make those changes along the way i think what what's happen and what's grown is that um from from starting with thinking about total health and well-being i lifted it up and said well what is that actually about and thought well for me personally it's more about how you feel about yourself rather than your physical health and went okay well that's something i'm more interested in and then started to look at topics within that and i thought well i and then the imposter sister syndrome kicked in and i went well what you know i haven't been trained in law and i went well hang on a minute i've done all these courses i've read all these books and if i pull all the bits out that have helped me from different places that would make a really amazing workshop and then found that people absolutely loved it and connected with it and said yes this stuff really works and and then it's been a question of after every single talk, I like to have a little, you know, review process and go, well, what went, worked, what didn't work, what's the feedback, how did I feel? And, you know, the first time I gave certain talks a few years ago, I did, I, I was incredibly nervous. I didn't know how it was going to go, um, but it went well. And now I feel really confident because I know that I've refined it and refined it, improved it, tweaked it. I know which stories work well, which bits don't. Um, and I think that's part of it as well, is to not always be um, so perfectionist that you're not afraid to take a bit of a risk and try stuff out. And then sometimes it works and other times you feel like a complete idiot, but no one points and laughs at you and tells you to get off the stage. You just move on really quickly onto the next segment and just make a mental note. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I once had a time when um, somebody dared me to do something that I felt really uncomfortable about in order to prove that I could still give a good talk and make a bit of a fool of myself, even if it was only me. And, um, and so I was talking about letting go of perfectionism, actually. Um, and, and I actually started singing Let It Go from Frozen, just a couple of bars. And I, I'm the worst singer in the world. I would never, I mean, singing on stage is my idea of like, floor, please now swallow me up. But I did it. And nobody, nobody laughed, nobody, nothing. Quite, it was fine. And then I just carried on. I was like, oh, okay. You can sometimes be a little bit crazy and be, a, you know, within the context obviously not for no good reason if it makes perfect sense in the context you can just push your own boundaries 
and see how it works. I mean, one of the reasons you, you are successful must be your talks must be engaging, you know, I mean, and, and the, the, there's the authentic uh, nature of them and the, and the language that you lose that people can relate to. But how, I mean, why do you think they work? Why are they so engaging when I mean, you use stories? Is it, is it that? Is it something else? Is it a combination? How do you really work those talks to make them so engaging? Um, it is a combination of telling really engaging stories um, I like to use emotional storytelling um, and to share quite a bit of myself in order for people to connect, but for them to also really understand what I'm saying. You know, they say, don't they, you learn when you have an emotional response to something. That's when you really learn. Um, but I like to um, chunk my talks into sections. So I think, OK, here's this piece and I'll introduce it perhaps tell a story, introduce the tool, and then have a little bit of interaction where people can play with it um, and really get to understand it. And then we'll have a little bit of feedback and then move on to the next bit. So it's, it's very much taking people on a journey, but it's chunked down in such a way that they can digest it, they've absorbed it, and then we've moved on to the next thing and each bit builds you know, on everything that's come before. That sounds that sounds really cool. And that was one of the things I was going to ask you about, because I noticed that you use exercises in your presentations. How do you position them? How long are they? How do they come? How do you come up with them? How do they work? Um, gosh, it, it's they do. They, they can, some can be long, some can be short. Um, it depends really on the individual segment and what's going to work. Sometimes it's something I get people to do on their own. Um, for example, if I'm teaching a breathing technique, you know, you don't do paired sharing of breathing technique, you do it all by yourself. Um, whereas if you're... what the context is, though. Is it, well, this is true, right? It's not that kind of workshop. Um, <laughs> I was thinking antenatal, Harry. I don't know what you were Where you? Where are you? <laughs> Anyhow, let's move on from that. Where were we? Um, so how do I come up with the exercises? Well, I like to think, I mean, there's one, there's one um, exercise that I learned from going to a talk from another speaker and it, it was such, and he'd invited me to help facilitate. So, and afterwards I said, that's such a fantastic exercise. Do, can I borrow it? Can I steal it? And he said, it was absolutely fine. And, um, and it was around uh, confidence and when you're speaking with confidence and I was illustrating the effect that, um, Australian question intonation can have on whether people take you seriously or not if you always sound like you're you know asking a question and so I was getting people to practice asking for a pay rise and in in pairs and every time that the other person used um, upward intonation when it wasn't a question I had the other person um, kind of elbow them and say, am I allowed to say a marginally rude word? And, 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 of course you can, yes. And, and say bullshit to them. And it's called the bullshit game. And what happens is it's so playful and it's so funny, but people, learn, they get the point immediately and, they, and, it's, and it's really good fun. Um, yeah. And it's, it's coming up with, with things like that. And also it's not what people are expecting. They're not expecting when they're coming to a talk on, you know, how to speak up for yourself with confidence and negotiate, set boundaries, all that kind of thing. They're not expecting to sit there and say bullshit to random strangers. And so it makes the whole thing like, and then people never quite know what's coming next either. And that keeps them really engaged as well. So thinking, oh, if that was that, what on earth is coming next? That's, that's great. That's really good. I like that. Um, 
one of the things that I was going to ask you about was was the playfulness actually because you know you say on your on your website that playfulness is central to your life so obviously it shows up in some of the things that you do how else does it show up what in my life or on stage both (laughs) it's um yeah playfulness is I mean you know you can't take life or yourself always deathly seriously I have two children children are very playful I have a puppy who's incredibly playful um and it's about I think on stage bringing that to the stage arena um it's about bringing a certain cheekiness bringing a certain um fun at the right moment that helps people to also not take themselves or the topic you know of course you want people to take it seriously but there's bringing a lightness of touch to it um so that people don't feel judged people don't you know they they feel they can open up and that it can that learning and getting over whatever it is that they've come to get over could be fun rather than really painful and that in itself is quite a breakthrough that's that's really true that sort of playfulness and and reframing things that's Mm. great and and the whole sort of resilience and playfulness stuff and and all the stuff that you teach how have you got any tips for speakers because it's not an easy it's 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 a busy profession it's a popular profession people are going to get knocked back they're you know then maybe not going to get the progress that they want in, in the time they want have you got any tips for you know for speakers or people generally to manage that you know those those sort of thoughts and feelings that you get in a profession like this yeah absolutely i think the first thing is is to check whether those thoughts and feelings that things aren't going well are true um, because often our heads are telling us a different version of events um a different version you know there's there's perfectionism there's giving yourself a hard time when you don't need to a bit like you know as, as children we'd come out of our exams and you all you can remember is those two questions you didn't get right you don't remember the 150 that you did absolutely know the answer to and as speakers i think we can do that about our own talks we sit there and we're like oh my god that i forgot to say that thing you know it should have just dropped in here except the audience have gone crazy and really enjoyed the talk so not giving yourself an unnecessarily hard time and focusing on what is going well um and also being like any profession making progress is about asking for feedback asking for constructive feedback and taking it on board and looking to constantly improve um the talk that went down really well a year ago you know needs needs improving and upgrading before you give it again um, and looking to keep training, keep learning, thinking what's the next level rather than being complacent. I think that's a good thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and basic things around resilience, like taking care of your well-being, um, having good support networks, having good mentors. That's very important, too. That's brilliant. How? Do, what's your view on social media and resilience? Have you got a view on that? Because it's a, it can be a, a force for good, and I think also uh, a, an issue for people in terms of managing that type of uh, thinking. Is that is that your feeling too, or something different? I think social media can be brilliant, um, and I think you always have to ask yourself, what do you need to get out of putting something out there? If you're live streaming, what are you actually needing to get out of it? Because if you're putting something out there because you need approval and so many likes, 
that's the wrong motive. If you're putting it out there because you genuinely want to get a, get a message out there, brilliant, do it. And then you have to let go of the results. You really have to let go of the results. Um, I ha I've had a couple of haters actually, and uh, people like that. And I actually thought, fantastic. I'm putting my head above the parapet, putting myself out there, putting my message out there. And I, I had one guy who um, came to um, one of my talks and then picked it apart afterwards with me which I, I kind of listened to what he had to say and thought that's very interesting and don't don't agree with it but that's a point of view and then he showed up in another talk three days later and um, 20 minutes in he stood up um, loudly announced to the whole room that he was leaving and that he'd found it really boring and just walked out and it made me laugh because I just thought, great, you know, I don't want to be a speaker that everyone feels bleh about. No, it doesn't have strong opinions about. I want people to either really love me or maybe really hate me. Yeah. So I think you do, you do have to be resilient on social media and you do have to already think about what you're going to do when people don't like your stuff or when people don't agree with your stuff, um, how you're going to handle it. Because if you think you can't handle it, perhaps you're not ready to put yourself out there. That, that's know. that's brilliant stuff there um, and i think you you're exactly right i think quite often you know it, go, it touches to the broader question of picking a niche as well and that sort of thing you've got to have an opinion you've got to be polarizing because if you want to occupy the middle ground why would people you know you know you've got to get that the people you know the people that love you that become your tribe and the people that hate you probably you didn't want to work with them anyway or they're not the right people <laughs> to listen to you so wow i've never that you handled that really well it's uh it's not even a comedy gig and you got people heckling you <laughs> i know it was it was really quite amusing and um i was um what was the talk about it was about discovering and honoring the real you so i just said he's discovered that the real me isn't for him and um <laughs> And everyone kind of like chuckled a bit and then we just carried on, you know, really and you, I think you've got to be able to do that as a speaker. You've got to be able to roll with the punches and just, yeah. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's, that is exactly right. Especially in comedy. We, you know, I teach my comedy students that if something happens, you've got to acknowledge it. Cause if you don't, yeah. everyone's thinking about it and they can't move on until you've addressed the thing so that, that's a, another great tip there really good and you so see you seem to do a lot on social media um and how has social media played a part in you know growing your speaking and your, your coaching business is it a big factor in in in, in getting success there at certain times it's definitely played a really important part um i think with the london personal development community they like to all see what each other are up to they want to see who you're connected to and where you're speaking um and so i guess i use social media as much as a look at me i'm doing all these things therefore i'm a successful speaker and you should think about me for your event kind of exercise and I don't mind being really honest about that um I you know I do use it to say what I'm up to but then I also use social media to nurture my tribe very very much so and to attract people to become in my tribe I've got a, a private Facebook group that's growing all the time and they get special videos and special offers and special deals um that doesn't don't happen anywhere else and they're the ones 
you know, it's packed full of my avatar, basically, it's packed full of my ideal clients. And when I need more information about them, I'll put up a poll about what they want next from me. And they'll tell me what their pain points are. It's fantastic. Um, And then I go, great, you know, and design the next however many months around exactly what they need help with. And then they're even happier. Um, So nurturing a tribe. And what I found is, is that some of those people found me online or they knew me anyway vaguely um, and they join there and then they come to one of my talks and then maybe they might buy a special offer and become a coaching client somehow. Um, or sometimes it works the other way around. You know, people have found me at a talk and then they become part of my Facebook group and then um, somehow they end up, you know, buying something else at some other point. So it's, um, it is, it's definitely been really important for me in terms of nurturing, nurturing tribes. So lots of different touch points all sort of yes. feeding off each other as well. That's, that's really yes. one of the things I, that you just made me think about that I did want to ask you as well was you talked about your ideal avatar. I noticed mm. something you do that a lot of speakers don't do and perhaps the traditional wisdom is to not do it. And that is almost crossing the divide between corporate and educational um, a lot of people would say stick to one and focus on that but I noticed you do both is that something by design or by accident how did that happen and does, does it happen often do you mean speaking in the corporate world and then speaking in the educational world or yeah, so you, you, you talk yeah. to teenagers in in education and then you talk to kids in corporate world <laughs> that yeah. yeah yeah people pretending to be grown-ups <laughs> basically, which we're all doing, aren't we? Let's face it, we're all just winging it. Um, yes, I, I really love the chance to um, go and inspire and educate teenage girls. I don't get all that many opportunities to do it, but when I do, I absolutely jump at the chance. But the majority of my work is is in, you know, in the corporate sector. So, Cool. So if anyone's listening that has teenagers, book Harriet. Yeah. yeah yeah I mean it's just brilliant because we with coaching and with the talk kind of talks that I do I I feel like I'm fixing broken adults um but speaking to teenagers is about getting them to slightly change course so they don't become those broken adults so that they learn very early on how to get to know themselves and honor themselves and listen to themselves and and have that that sense of self very early on so that to me is brilliant I, I agree. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Good to get to them early. Yeah. Smashing. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this question. What do you think makes the difference in your experience and from people that you've seen between an average speaker and a great speaker? Um, I think there are lots of things. There's content. I think content is king. You've got to have amazing content. Um if your content is okay and you're a fantastic show person, you'll get away with it. Um, if your content is brilliant, you can have an off day and it'll carry you through. Um, and that's what keeps people coming back and back again. Um, I think as well, really understanding your audience and what they want from you and what they need from you, which is not always the same as what they want from you, is very important too. And and so being a really great speaker is about basing everything you do on what what do my audience need from me? What do they want from me? Um, Rather than what do I want to give to them, which is a very different way around of planning things. 
Um, if you can give people what they need and what they want, that's fantastic. If you're just speaking because you want to deliver a message, you might not always get it across. It might not what might might be great message, but if no one wants it and no one needs it, then that's not going to be a great talk. I mean, obviously, there's a, there's a lot to technique. There's things you know if you're not making eye contact with anyone and you're mumbling your words and you've got PowerPoint slides with 50 million words on them each, then you just read them out. That's not particularly engaging or, or doesn't make the audience feel excited. Um, yeah. So I think it's very much about that thought about what would make this really exciting and different and engaging and what would be very memorable for the audience. Thank you. That's great. Now, before I move, I've got some standard questions for you. Okay. Before I move on to those, it, it, can you think of one more tip for either in resilience or for speakers that you think you must, you know, you've got to tell people because it will make a big difference to them. So one thing that perhaps we haven't covered that comes to mind, if, if there isn't anything, that's fine, but just give you that opportunity before we move on. Absolutely. And I learned this from my first speaker training group, and it's one of their principles, their core guiding principles. And it's something that um, I've taken very much to heart. And that is from vulnerability comes power. From vulnerability comes power. And that to me means if I show who I am, um, people will connect with me. And that creates in their mind that I have the right to speak to them. They want to listen to me and they're ready to learn. Um, and they they like me and that's a brilliant setting that's fantastic thank you that's that's a great one I haven't heard it in that way uh, very nice very nice good okay so first standard question what's the best thing that speaking has done for you wow where to start what's the <laughs> best thing that speaking's done for me it's been a massive um part of my new life my post-divorce life actually becoming part of speaker training communities becoming part of the London speaker community um, getting really confident it's helped me to grow a business and create an income um, yeah and it's helped me in lots of ways to teach and help my own children as well um, and then I get to change other people's lives as well while I'm speaking, which is like the ultimate, like the Holy Grail. So I don't think I can pick any one of those things, but it's been like all of those things. It's been amazing. And what's the worst thing that's happened when you've been speaking? What's that gig that I, maybe that chap standing up? I don't know. But or is there something else that sticks in your mind? Like, oh, no, wish that hadn't have happened. <laughs> um well there was one time when I nearly fell off the stage <laughs> but I mean that has that has a tricky side to it because well I can't believe it's going to be nearly two years but it is almost two years when I was quite badly injured in a car crash and part of that was that my balance system was damaged and so I did have moments of sort of random dizziness and I would always just cross my fingers and think just I hope I don't get one whilst I'm on stage. And this actually happened during an interactive exercise. So I, I delivered the content, given people an exercise to do. And then I was just standing there chatting um, quietly to my assistant who was helping facilitate. And next thing she just caught me. I just... <laughs> wow. 
yeah that was pretty hairy actually because that that can really that can unsettle you when you don't feel physically in control of yourself that's yeah I had to dig quite deep in terms of my own self-belief and resilience there to keep going wow and you did though you're trooper yeah I did yes (laughs) excellent (laughs) now uh, last question um I don't know if you've heard of a book, I will say this, but um, a book um, called Think and Grow Rich. And in this book, the guy uses a sort of mastermind group to run ideas past. And it's almost like a, I don't know, fantasy football thing, if you, if you, if you like. Um, if you could choose anyone, alive or dead, fictional or non-fictional, to be a mentor, I need three of them. Who would they be and why? Speaking mentors. Any, any, anything, any area of your life, people, mentors for your life that you want to, to have in the background running things past, who would they be? I definitely um, want Oprah Winfrey in my corner after her Golden Globe speech. Oh, yeah. yeah Absolutely. Yeah. Um, that would be one of them. The second person would be somebody who already is my current mentor who's a lady called Susie Heath, who's absolutely amazing. And I'd I'd really quite like to be her when I grow up. (laughs) Um, And the third person, goodness, who would I really love anyone? I'm tempted to say my own grandmother, actually. Oh, why not? She was so, had so much grace and so much, she was so dignified very fun very playful very queen-like um but and no one messed with her absolutely no one messed with her and she just had a way about her of saying things with very few words um and so much presence and she was always incredibly stylish actually um yeah yeah so sometimes I do think I think oh I'm gonna I'm gonna channel her today yeah maybe she is already your mentor you you never you never know (laughs) true true you never know that's brilliant so before uh, we go how can people find you where can people find you if they want to book you for speaking or if they want to work with you as a coach um where would they go to um the first port of call would be my website which is harriet whaley cohen all one word without the hyphen um dot com yeah i would recommend that people go there they can have a good read and there's a contact form on there so people want to book me for speaking they can just you know get in touch there and also my um fantastic assistant her email is on there as well and what are you on you're on twitter and instagram i think as well i am yes i'm at harriet underscore wc on twitter and instagram so people can find me there and then my um private facebook group if people are interested in that is called harriet's inner circle so you're more than welcome to come out come on over and, and join in the fun there and see that extra content that only those yes. people get yeah exactly. yeah yeah <laughs> brilliant well i've absolutely loved talking to you you've you've shared some great uh tips and tricks for people and for speaking and just generally so thank you very much for your time today and, you're welcome um, have a fantastic rest of the day harriet thank you Thanks. Some great stories and tips from Harriet. She clearly loves what she does and gets a kick out of helping others take their lives forward. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And as I said at the top of the show, head over to the Speaking Club group on Facebook if you want some more stuff from me. 
Also, if you're loving the podcast, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. It does make a difference. So remember, you've got this. Have a brill week and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Hey, if you're listening to the show because you want to start speaking or have a big talk or pitch coming up and you want to make it the best it can be, then you made the right choice because this podcast is the vehicle that can help you get there. But I wanted to tell you about something that will get you there even faster. Something that incorporates all the hacks, tools and tips I've picked up from my years in comedy, theatre, marketing and coaching. And that's my blueprint for creating and delivering a story-led talk that engages, inspires and converts. And the best bit is that I'll be sharing my blueprint and the mindset hack that will help you overcome public speaking anxiety in a free webinar masterclass. To register, go to thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass. This puppy gives you the soup to nuts for creating powerful talks that connect with and engage your audience every time. So grab your place now. That's thespeakingclub.com slash masterclass.